As we continue in this season of Lent, the Word of God comes to us from the book of Genesis, the 17th chapter, verses 1 through 7, and then we'll skip ahead to verses 15 and 16. This is God making God's covenant with Abraham. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you jumped into your gene pool lately? I ask because... DNA ancestry tests are all the rage right now, aren't they? From the comfort of your own home, you can use DNA services such as 23andMe, Family Tree DNA, Ancestry DNA, or Living DNA to discover more about your family tree than ever before. Spit in a cup, send it off, and six to eight weeks later, you get all sorts of new pieces to your ancestry puzzle. More and more people want to know who they are, where their ancestors came from, and whether they have any fascinating or mysterious relatives. A website called Exploring Life's Mysteries speaks about DNA kits saying, thanks to scientific breakthroughs over the last few years, you can now fill in more of your ancestry puzzle than ever before. You may uncover exciting facts about your family background or discover that your ancestors are not the people you thought they were. I got one of these kits for Julie for Christmas. It was interesting and fun to see in layman's terms scientific data about her family heritage. It was more interesting and more fun to listen to her and her family debate the accuracy of the test. <laughs> What was true, what was not true, and what was left out. The Barkovitches love a good debate. So, But for some, putting the ancestry puzzle together can be less fun and actually a bit painful. Two brothers, for example, were surprised to discover they had different fathers. 
They confronted their elderly mother who said she had never been unfaithful to her husband and neither son was adopted. Don Kincaid, who witnessed this ordeal of these two brothers, says it has been traumatic to discover their true lineage through DNA tests. So it seems that when it comes to these DNA kits, proceed with caution. For people of faith, the book of Genesis becomes a sort of DNA service, which contains reliable and important information about our ancestors in faith, specifically Abraham and Sarah. And we uncover some exciting facts about our faith family background and discover some interesting timeless treasures about God and even about ourselves. Now Abraham and Sarah are not morally perfect people by any stretch of the imagination. Sarah laughs when God predicts she will have their son at such an old age, and then she denies to God that she did laugh. Abraham tells a lie to King Abimelech, describing Sarah as his sister. Unfortunately, God intervenes and tells the king the truth before he crosses the line with Sarah, who is married. They are not perfect people by any means, and they are certainly guilty of stretching the truth. Yet despite their imperfections, God uses this husband and wife to become ancestors of a multitude of nations, making a covenant with them that assures that their family tree will be tall and strong. The three great monotheistic faiths, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, all are considered Abrahamic faiths with a shared family tree. These religions and our moral, ethical, and spiritual lives would be greatly impoverished if we did not have Abraham and Sarah in our ancestry. Meaning, the Genesis DNA service establishes a link between God, this couple, and us, and teaches us who we are as people of faith. In particular, it proves that we are in relationship with God, and that it has at its root covenant. Because Abraham and Sarah entered a covenant with God, they were covenant people. But what does this mean, covenant? A covenant is a promise-based relationship. It's what we see in the covenant of marriage, in which two people promise to be in a loving and faithful relationship for as long as they both shall live. God's covenant with Abraham begins when God says, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. God then changes Abram's name because the name Abraham means father of multitudes. God promises to be in relationship with Abraham and makes him the father of many. In response, Abraham is asked to walk before God and be blameless. This covenant is an everlasting covenant where God is faithful to the covenant, staying close to Abraham and making him the ancestor of a multitude of nations. Abraham, however, 
It's not so successful at being blameless. But then again, no one can succeed in achieving such a standard of perfection. But more good news here. God is faithful even when we are not. And God makes the promise, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Being people of the covenant is a key part of our ancestry puzzle. It tells us who we are and whose we are now and always. This covenant tells us what we can expect from God. So what can we expect from God? As covenant people, we are in relationship with a God who always acts first. Notice how God takes the initiative in the covenant with Abraham, saying, I will make my covenant between me and you. God acts before Abraham does anything. And this is true in God's relationship with everyone and every time and place and situation. God is always at work before we know God is acting. At work for us in ways that heal us and help us. Theologians call this provenient grace, meaning the grace of God that comes before any human decision. In his book, The Silver Chair, C.S. Lewis tells the story of a lion named Aslan, who readers of Lewis's series that includes the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, know is a symbol for Jesus. In the book, Aslan hears two children calling to him for help. And then after going and rescuing them, he says to them, you would not have called to me unless I had been calling to you. Aslan had always been there for the children, ready to come to them when needed. That is provenient grace, the grace that comes before. God always acts first with provenient grace. Because God offers forgiveness, we ask for forgiveness. Because Jesus is a healer, we pray for healing. Because the Spirit has been moving since the first day of creation, we ask the Spirit to come and move in us. Because God has been calling to us, we call to God. In 1 John, we read, God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. We love because God first loved us. God always acts first, provenient grace. God loves comes, God's love comes first. That's provenient grace. So as people in covenant with God, the Bible becomes then the story of promise-based relationships. In Genesis, God first makes a covenant with Noah and then with Abram. In Exodus, when God hears the groaning of the people of Israel and Egypt, God remembers God's covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Later, God speaks with Moses on Mount Sinai and gives him 
and two tablets of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. In the book of Judges, after the Israelites have entered the promised land, the angel of the Lord says, I will never break my covenant with you. In each instance, we see how God always acts first and always in accord with the established covenants. Now, unfortunately, the people of Israel break their side of the deal. They have broken my covenant, says God through the prophet Hosea, and transgressed my law. So God promises through Jeremiah to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And this new covenant comes to life and fruition in Jesus, who offers his own body and his own blood on the cross to show us exactly how much God loves us. At the Last Supper, Jesus gives his disciples the cup, and he says, this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of their sins. The letter to the Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the guarantee of a better covenant. The season of Lent and our journey to the cross with Jesus is our time to intentionally remember who we are and who we belong to and then live accordingly as people of this new covenant, people who are ready and willing to love and forgive as we have already been loved and forgiven. Lent is a time for us to repent and turn to the radical thinking that tells us and others, no matter what we have done, no matter how badly we think we have messed things up, we are still loved. We still belong to God who always acts first and always in accord with the established covenant. When we focus on covenant, we learn that God is always faithful, even when we are not. God never breaks this faithful and loving relationship, even though we often fall into faithlessness. The good news of the Bible is that we are covenant people with an ancestry that goes back to the everlasting covenant that God made with Abram. When we use this DNA Genesis service, we discover that our human, that our promise-based relationship with God is stronger than any human failings. God shows us the same kind of unconditional love that a parent shows a child. Children are going to misbehave, as we all know, but good parents remain loving and faithful even when their nerves are frayed because of their children. No matter what children do or say, the link between parent and child remains in place. God, our heavenly parent, loves us unconditionally just as God has loved human beings throughout all of history. And because God always acts first and always acts in accord with the established covenant, the everlasting covenant started with Abraham continues still today. So may we in the season of Lent, as covenant people, 
May we remember who we are and whose we are. May we turn back to God to, go, to call on God who is already calling to us. May we accept the forgiveness and reconciliation given to us through Christ Jesus, and may we aim to share it with others. And may we strive to live out the DNA rooted in us as people in covenant with God. Amen. Friends, let us join together again and go to God through our prayers. Let us pray. Holy and merciful God, we thank you for the gifts of the season of Lent. Thank you for the call to slow down, to quiet the voices that vie for our attention so that we may be still and enjoy the deep communion of your spirit. Thank you for the invitation to examine our hearts and lives, to take stock of our relationships, our loves, our fears, our need to be closer to you. Thank you for the opportunity to have a voice and a place within the work of your Holy Spirit who moves within us and around us, all in an effort to establish your presence on earth as it is in heaven, so that all your children are safe, accepted, and loved. And most of all, we thank you for your willingness to establish with our ancestors and with us a covenant of grace and new life, a promise that you will be our God and we will belong to you forever, no matter how often we turn away from you, no matter how far away we wander. You promise to always welcome us back with love, forgiveness, reconciliation, and new life. So as we continue on in this season of Lent, we pray you grant us courage to name the idols that hold sway over us, to confess the desires that distract us from your higher purposes, to see all that causes us to break our part of the covenant with you. Help us turn away from the causes of this brokenness and turn back to you, aiding us in reestablishing with you the covenant that we belong to you, and that we are called to share the grace of this promise with all. May you continue to use this season of Lent to teach us and show us again and again the depth of your love for all your children. We ask that you would now listen to the prayers we need to share with you as we offer them in this time of holy silence. We bring all this before you and give it to you in the holy and precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.